Now, Executive Suites with WPRI.com reporter Ted Nisi. Welcome to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. Always glad to have you with us. Well, today we're going to talk about the business of health insurance, something that affects pretty much every family in our region and the vast majority of families across the country, uh, whether they're insured or not, though we do see the percentages going up that most people are insured today. And I'm pleased to be joined for that conversation by Stephen Farrell coming back. You've been a number of years since you've been on with about us. About five. Five years. Thank okay. You for and and uh, I'm quite a bit grayer, but here we are. So, <laughs> Stephen is the CEO of United Healthcare of New England. And I, I want to start right there, Stephen, just sure. to get our viewers situated. So United Healthcare is a big national company. You're CEO of United Healthcare of New England. Tell us sure. about how big United is overall and then what your piece of it is. United Healthcare is the largest health insurer in the world, largest health insurer in the United States. Uh, on our commercial business side, we have 21 health plans, of which I am the CEO for the New England health plan, covering all six New England so you states. split the country up, and everybody's got, and you have your New England. Correct. Yep. So, um, and that, and that covers, uh, that covers, so it's people getting their private health insurance out of work, all of that, just right. the gamut, right? Right. Yes, employer-sponsored insurance. So, um, there's been so much change, even in the years since you've been on, mm -hmm. and this whole decade with uh, the passage of the Affordable Care Act, other changes at the federal level, there have been changes in state law, huge changes for the health insurance industry. I'm just curious, big picture, uh, to take the temperature, where is the health insurance industry today? How would you compare it to where it was 10 years ago? What are the biggest trends? Um, it's not the same as it was 10 years ago. It's a fast-evolving business. And the trends really are around what we're going to talk about today. What are the true drivers of healthcare cost, healthcare satisfaction or dissatisfaction, and the problems that are in the healthcare system uh, where we're not as efficient and optimal as we can be? You know, one of the things, as you say that, I think about when the Affordable Care Act passed, a lot of the attention has been on the expansion of coverage. Um, which has been based on the goals they set relatively successful in the New England states where you have a lot of, most people are covered now. But there was a lot of talk too about cost trends and trying to hold down costs. And I know there was some, seemingly some trends looked like they were going okay in the other direction, but it's clearly still a lot of frustration. Are you surprised it's been as hard as it's been, even with the efforts made to, to rein in costs? Or did you say it's just always gonna be this difficult? Uh, no, I'm not surprised. So, you, you know, the Affordable Care Act did a very good job. It's, it's covering uh, the issues of, can we get everybody covered? Can we start there? Can we take barriers to access healthcare away? So it's very good there. Uh, but it didn't necessarily uh, address why is healthcare so expensive? Uh, and that is a completely different issue. Uh, and it has to do with what I call the triple threat, which is you know consolidation of services, the variation of care that you get from zip code to zip code, or the fragmentation of healthcare. Uh, and when you start to look at how healthcare is delivered, uh, then you see, geez, things could be a lot, busy, uh, a lot easier, simpler, and they could work a lot better to get more quality healthcare outcomes, a better experience, and less expensive. And they call that 
the triple aim. So you, so you actually think that's possible? There are times I'm skeptical because I have been writing about this stuff for a while now, and it seems like there's just it is so fragmented, and there are so many people with different motivations that that maybe it can't be done. Well, you know what? You have to believe. You have to believe it's possible. You have to keep trying, and that's exactly right. Everybody's involved in one way or another. Even people that aren't in healthcare are eventually going to be patients. Right, so we're all involved, so you're right, so it's a big undertaking, uh, but we're not there yet. But there are some of us in our industry, in the healthcare, in, in the health insurance industry, in the health delivery industry, coming together, recognizing what are the real true root causes and drivers of inefficiency of healthcare costs and non-optimal quality. When you look at Rhode Island, I mean, what, what stands out to you? You've been on all these, I feel like there's a task force every few months, yeah, uh, a group, right. uh, another meeting of the minds to try to figure out what's happening. You've been doing a lot of that work. What, what has stood out to you as you've gone really deep into the numbers with other yeah, experts? Yeah, so um, first off, uh, Rhode Island, as compared to the rest of New England, uh, we're doing pretty well. Right? So kudos to Rhode Island. We have neighbor states like Connecticut and Massachusetts where healthcare costs are a lot higher. Uh, secondly, um, you know, I talk about the triple aim, and that's a national thing where people are looking at cost, experience, and better healthcare outcomes. Um, but I always say, well, what's the triple aim pointing at? What, what's the target? And uh, here in Rhode Island, I think we address that. Uh, we have a cost, Rhode Island cost trends steering committee of which I participated many other leaders participated which was the beauty of it it brought all the leadership together you left your name badge at the door work together to set a state uh, spending target for the state so there's a target what can we accomplish now we're going to talk about drivers of healthcare expense what is driving cost towards that target and what can we do about it we haven't had that speaking of not having that the other thing is the Rhode Island Foundation under Neil Steinberg did a very good job of pulling a, a similar group of Rhode Island healthcare leaders together for a long-term planning committee, a healthcare long-term planning committee that delivered a long-term plan, a 10-year plan. We hadn't had a long-term plan, a healthcare plan in Rhode Island since sometime in the 90s. So when you're thinking about the triple aim, what are you focusing on? How about that as a target? a long-term plan with a way to get there with this Rhode Island Cost Steering Trends Group and a target. All right, so well, that, should, that's good stuff for Rhode I Island. I should disclose it's no secret the Rhode Foundation <laughs> sponsors this program, but yeah. I don't think they, they made you say that. I think you actually I, believe it. I, I didn't even know that. <laughs> there you go. All right, so uh, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk more about the business of healthcare and the future of healthcare in our region with Stephen Farrell, CEO of United Healthcare of New England. Stick with us on Executive Suite. Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. We're talking today with Stephen Farrell. He's the CEO of United Healthcare of New England, which is the regional division of United Healthcare, the biggest biggest health insurance provider in the world. You said not just yep. the country, which is what, how I usually put yep. it. So there you go. So you have a new. We're taping this early in 2020. You have a, a new to Rhode Island product that mm -hmm. I want to talk a little about, and hopefully we can talk about it in a way that's that's uh, understandable for everyone at home because this stuff gets complex. Let's start off with this. What is an ACO, an accountable care organization, and why should someone watching TV tonight care? So an ACO, accountable care organization, is a typically a group of physicians, sometimes with a hospital, not always, but they are 
uh, aligned through uh, clinical in initiatives and financial initiatives to work together in a collaborative manner to achieve uh, healthcare outcomes, improved quality, and lower cost that otherwise they wouldn't be able to achieve. So obviously a way to deal with what you're talking about in the first block, which is the fragmentation issue. That's right. So what's And the, the variation issue. What's the difference between, for people at home, they might think of a lifespan or a Care New England, a big healthcare provider mm -hmm. in the state that has hospitals, has some docs, et cetera. How is that different from what an ACO is trying to do? Well, there is an ACO with Care New England. That's right. And it's called Integra. Yep. And we have a relationship with Integra in our ACO product, so uh, called Nexus ACO. Uh, so, um, like I said, an ACO can include a hospital, but sometimes they're just a group of freestanding physicians. So let's talk, you mentioned it right there, Nexus ACO is this new product. Um, what exactly is it, and also, who, who would buy it? You know, most people watching, their experience of health insurance is at some point in the year at work, um, they get some flyer about what they can sign up for, and they have maybe two choices, and they pick one, and they're done. Well, who is Nexio, Nexus ACO aimed at, and where is it? So let, let's start here. Employer-sponsored insurance uh, has become very expensive for the employer. Uh, they have plan designs with co-pays and co-insurance and deductibles. It starts to become expensive for the individual. Sure. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, discussion about what can we do to lower that cost. And uh, the Nexus ACO, first thing you want to know about it is, it is a health insurance product for employers that can be up to 15% lower cost, right? So uh, what it is, is a plan design that has uh, an in-network plan design. By the way, that our in-network in Rhode Island, it's about 98 or 99% of all physicians are in-network. But the Nexus ACO product has two tiers of that network. And the top tier are these ACOs. And in the second tier are all other providers. Now there are some other high quality providers in the top tier as well. But the idea is if an ACO can demonstrate that they have uh, evidence-based better performance in outcomes like 11% uh, fewer hospital admissions, 7% fewer readmissions, 14% lower emergency room visits because they've worked together, they're very efficient in how they deliver care, and they demonstrate that they provide higher quality and lower cost, then that flows all the way through the product of which we want to put them in the top tier and say to people, your out-of-pocket expense, a copay, it's going to be less, maybe zero for a copay. Your deductible, your co-insurance, it's going to be less. So if trying you're in to the send top a tier. message incentivizing the patient when they get to their choice point, what doc to go to, what specialist to go to. Hey, if you go to this one, we're going to make it cheaper because we think you're going to get better care based That's on our right. metrics. That's and, right. And, and, and provide an incentive mm -hmm. for them to see the better performing providers. Mm -hmm. In the past, health insurance have, I mean, I guess it's the endless battle for health insurers trying to get people to go to a place that might cost less if the quality is as good or better, et cetera. And uh, often consumers rebel against that and, and don't want, they just want, I want the same people I've known all these years and I don't care about that stuff. I mean, do you, is, do you think this one has a better chance of convincing patients to go with it? It, it does because um, we focus on primary care. And so this isn't a health insurer or anybody else telling you where to go. 
uh, again, everybody is in this network. It is a giant network. We're just putting financial incentives and then maybe inspiring a question, which would be, why is it cheaper there? Well, let us tell you why. These particular providers are doing a better job of providing health care. Again, it all comes down to, Ted, higher quality equals lower cost. Yeah. And uh, if, if everybody took that, quite, quite frankly, if I'm making a decision, <laughs> that's what I want to know. Yeah, right? fair right? enough, fair enough. All right, we have to take another break. When we come back. We're going to talk some more with Stephen Farrell from United Healthcare about what he sees in the future for Rhode Island Healthcare, particularly after serving on all these task forces and other meeting groups trying to figure that out. So stay with us for that on Executive Suite. Welcome back to Executive Suite. I'm Ted Nisi. We're talking today about the future of healthcare in Rhode Island and Massachusetts and nationally with the CEO of United Healthcare of New England. That's Stephen Farrell, who's sitting here with me today. And I've mentioned it a couple times, Stephen, you get roped into all these task forces, working groups, all these uh, brilliant people trying to figure out how to fix things uh, or improve things, maybe I should say, in the healthcare world. One of the ones we were recently on, and you mentioned it earlier, was the Rhode Island Foundation has just put out, uh, we're in early 2020, this long-term future of health care strategy plan bunch of different people on it including yourself um, you know what do you think is important for viewers regular folks who just are going to who are generally going to be patients um, that you saw in that that you th think could make a difference there's really an opportunity maybe for Rhode Island yeah so there's a couple of things that I think are really good about that uh, the first is uh, it, it's brought this group has brought adverse collection of healthcare leadership across the state and put us all together in a place where we have kind of a common goal. Um, and when you bring that much intellectual capital together, uh, I think you have a really good chance of making some progress. The second is, is that this was maybe a larger perspective and initiative at attacking healthcare. It's not just about the healthcare delivery system, and we talk about fragmentation or variation and the, and the nuances that make it difficult. It's not just solving that, it's really when you look at macro uh, metrics to measure the overall health of a state, the cost in that state, uh, those metrics take in a lot of things including cultural mm -hmm. effects social determinants of health. Housing um, comes up sometimes. Housing, yeah. availability for nutritious mm. food, transportation, even employment, all of those things can have a byproduct result on healthcare. Right, because by the time someone pulls out your card from your, the card you give, right. you give them for health insurance, they're there because of everything else that has led them to that right. day at the doctor's office. That is right. And, and by the way, we're all involved. And, and you know, this is a, a kind of a business related show, but the business community is involved in this too. The business community uh, has to uh, subsidize uh, the rest of the population that may not have coverage. And if all, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats. If we're all in it together and we can take care of some of the cultural aspects as well as solve some of the uh, inconsistency in the delivery system, and we have a broad, diverse group of leaders focused on that, 
I have very high hopes of what the outcome of this uh, initiative could be over time. I want to ask you, and you bring it up, you alluded to it there. I'm, I'm curious, one of the things we've seen since the Affordable Care Act went into place is uh, more and more use of government health insurance programs, notably Medicaid, which is the one for lower income folks, uh, at hospitals and providers in Rhode Island. The hospital groups are talking about this a lot. And one of the side effects, they say, is that it puts even more pressure on the commercial insurers, so with the people of employer-sponsored health care generally, because they say they don't get enough out of the government programs, and therefore That's they have right. to push even harder for higher rates out of the commercial. Do you, are you feeling that? Do you see evidence of that as well on your side? That's always been the case. As long as I've been in this business, uh, the hospitals... Um, lose money, the healthcare providers lose money on the Medicaid business and need to make up the balance on the commercial business. So my point being, if we're all in it together and we can raise the uh, address and, and raise the uh, issues of cultural aspects, social determinants of health and address those, then that advantage will not only be for the underserved, it will be for those subsidizing those populations as well. Again, we're all lifted up by addressing that. And, and that long-term planning commission did a very good job of focusing on that for once and not just, you know, what are the issues between doctors, hospitals, mm -hmm. specialist care delivery, uh, and, and the nuance. In some ways, though, your job is, uh, your role in the system is to push back, I would think, at the health, you know, the hospitals are always going to see if they can get more money, higher rates, and the hope for the people paying for their insurance is that you guys drive a tough but fair bargain with them. I mean, do you think, do they have a point that they're, they're really strained right now, or do you feel that? Well, we know that. Yeah. We, that's no secret, and we had previously operated in a, in a world where there was conflict mm -hmm. between insurers and healthcare providers because we would push back and, and that really didn't solve anything. These days, when you think about this Nexus ACO product, uh, we have reimbursement strategies mm -hmm. for ACOs where we say, we're not paying you on a per visit basis or a per utilization basis, we're paying you for outcomes. Mm -hmm. And by the way, we agree on what the outcomes are and we want better health for everybody, and we want to keep people out of the emergency room, and we want costs to go down. And so now the conversation between health insurers and health uh, care providers is much more collaborative uh, because we found common ground, and we've got reimbursement strategies where our interests are aligned. So you have a unique perspective on the endless uh, hospital wars because you're up in Massachusetts as well. You deal with Partners Healthcare, a mm -hmm. big and mm -hmm. uh, a dominant, I would say, mm -hmm. uh, healthcare provider up there. Meanwhile, you're in Rhode Island too, watching the endless dance of whether lifespan and care in New England, will they, won't they, will they, won't they? And they often point to Partners as one of the reasons they need that. Bringing that perspective to this, what do you think they should do? Should they merge or not? You see, interesting question, but I'm going to redirect <laughs> yeah, you, Ted, yeah. right? Because so, you have to deal with them both. So um, <laughs> it's not about the name on the back of the jersey. Mm -hmm. So we can say, here are all the names, and here's what they're doing, and they're going through that. And it's very interesting, and there's a lot at stake in all that. But um, the redirect is, what's really important, though, is how do you get better healthcare quality? Mm -hmm. um, can they come together and provide efficiencies? Can they address the social determinants of health? Can they uh, improve quality, lower cost, uh, make the system more simple? So uh, I always say, you know, 
That's all interesting, but we've really got to maintain focus on what the important things are. And those are the important things, regardless what the name on the back of the jersey says. So I like to watch. I have relationships with all of them. I'm not in the business of predicting where they're going to go and where they're going to end up. I just want to make sure that we have conversations saying we're aligned and trying to achieve the same outcome. Well, if you look at your experience in Massachusetts, because there's also a flip side to that, which is the people around who fear creating a Rhode Island version of a partners level dominant hospital system. Uh, do you think that's that's made it harder to tackle these challenges in Massachusetts? Or I suppose you might go back to your back of the jersey. Make it thing. harder for what? Uh, make it harder to tackle the issues of, of cost and everything in Massachusetts by having such a dominant provider that, that's kind of standing in the middle of everything? You know, uh, and I mentioned it, consolidation has always been a challenge in healthcare delivery relative to cost, right? So that we're a free market society. There's always value to competition. So everybody who says that we value competition, there's a role for it here. There is a role for it here. Interesting. All right, I want to. We're getting towards the end of the show. I want to ask you actually a very simple, basic sure. health insurance question. Mm -hmm. People often feel overwhelmed when mm -hmm. they get those flyers, like I said, from their from their bosses toward the end of the year, saying, sure. "What should I sign up for?" If you were advising a, a friend, uh, maybe your family members call you, your children, whoever, mm -hmm. what do you say to look at? What do you focus on when you're trying to make sure you make the right decision? So, um, it's it's an individual decision, uh, and that's the important thing. So, it's important to know what am I expecting to do and use? Uh, and every family is different. And are you a family? Are you a couple? Are you an individual? Uh, have, do you have health care issues that have to be addressed? Uh, or are you relatively healthy? If you're relatively healthy, uh, you're probably looking at things like health savings accounts and other things and higher deductibles because you don't necessarily want to pay out a lot uh, in premium co-share for those plans. If you've got you know, chronic illnesses and other things that are very serious that have to be addressed and you know you're going to consume a lot of healthcare services, you're probably looking at your health plan options and saying, how best do the finances work for me? How well does the carrier and the system and the Nexus ACO product share information with me about the healthcare providers uh, and the cost of the care that I know I'm going to use in this upcoming year for my family? So there's some research necessary there. I think a lot of people do it. I think a lot of people are scared of doing it because it is complex. So we have as a top agenda item, how can we make this stuff easier, simpler? Because those can be overwhelming when you yes. get that piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, the, the 50 different little things and you wonder, you're like, am I missing one that's gonna, uh, I'm gonna eat me alive financially next year? And, and the challenge is, is that everybody is unique. Mm. So yeah, we could put all sorts of things out there and it might be good for one, it may not be good for the other. So uh, that's the challenge. All right, Stephen Farrell, we're out of time. CEO of United Healthcare of New England. I'm sure if you have questions about that health care, just call him directly. I'm sure he'll take all of your questions across <laughs> New course. England. He'll just go right to him. Thank you, Stephen, for Thank joining you, us. Thank you for joining us. As I always say, if you missed any of this episode or any other episode of Executive Suite, you can catch all our episodes on WPRI.com, and you can also subscribe to the show as, an, uh, as a podcast on iTunes. We'll see you back here next week on Executive Suite.